Hello everyone and welcome to Golden Walkman Magazine, the literary magazine for your ears. I am one of its editors, David Walker, bringing you the issue for September, uh, a short story, one that I've been wanting to put out for quite some time now and uh, we finally get the chance to do it. Um, so it's a longer one, I'm not going to talk too much at the beginning or the end, but I, uh, I just wanted to let you guys know. The dialogue submissions, uh, those are being weeded through right now by Sophie Jupia, and she will uh, tell us what her favorite one is, the best one uh, that she would like to see published, and we will do that probably in the uh, next few months. So be on the lookout for that. I will definitely let you know when that's coming up. All right, so uh, this story is... Uh, very interesting, uh, and I hope no one takes offense when I describe it this way, but it's the best way I can think to describe it. But um, it's it's just like redneck poetry, and I, and I mean that in the best way possible. Uh, please uh, do not take offense to that. Um, but it's a story by uh, John Istil called We're Not in China, A Lament. So I'm just going to let you guys get to it and uh, see you on the other side of this epic. Hi, my name is John Francis Estelle, and I'll be reading my short story called We're Not China, A Lament. The sheriff slides open my jail cell door. Next time, why don't you write your grievances down? Do something constructive with your hurt. Shoot some garbanzo cans. Mow up some old ladies' lawns as mercy. Enter a cheesecake-eating contest, all I care. He buzzes open the steel door at the top of the hall. Anything, except taking your upset out on innocent strangers. They weren't strangers, they were neighbors, I remind him. Put the pain on paper, I'd recommend, he says. It'll be like Gorilla Glue for your insides. You mean, right? Like what? Like lyrics? More like a lament, right? A lament? But call it whatever you want to call it, Hubert, he says. That was two days ago. So, here it is. I'll begin my lament the day Barbara Ann Johnson rang my buzzer. About the time I was leaving Sue for Nancy. April or June 2008, was it? Some equinox midsummer vernal thing. Opened my screen door, and first thing I saw was teardrop stains on the envelopes she held in her well-manicured hand. I like hands. Hands show a person. Can't ride a rope without them. Well, at least one. Hands and the brain, like my science teacher Mr. Buckley said, we need both to tower over the wild kingdom of creatures. Or maybe it was just a thumb, does it? I forget. Any case, Barb had pinkies that curled, and her polish was too thick for a woman who said she was 29, pushing the back end of the 30s, I thought. Women can push up their face, their chest, thighs with fancy expensive surgeries. They can slather on a queen's worth of makeup, and tease up mountains of curls, but they can't get rid of them tiny little wrinkles on the side of their fingers. They're like tree rings. You can count the years. Where 
was I. The envelopes. She had a fist full. Publishing clearinghouse sweepstakes, travel voucher condo contests in Houston, free CD giveaways for professor lectures on the universe and solar system. She loved astrology, stars, destiny, you know, girl stuff. She wanted to meet me. So she brought me my mail mixed with hers, her junky mortgage offers and credit card account invitations. She pulled out each of my magazines, my dirty-eyed detective stories and ranchero subscriptions, turned each one over to me real slow like it was some magic card trick. It's hard resisting when they do that eye shadow nice and light A splash of aqua or violet, just like a sky, a sky at the end of a long, hot afternoon. I want to kiss neighbors look like that. And belts. I always like ladies who value a variety of buckles and bangles and fringes and a nice assortment of hand-dyed wide leathers. Not belts you put through loops like guys' belts, you understand? Not those gaudy champion-of-the-world numbers really meant for a mantelpiece. I got enough of those. Now, Miss Barbara didn't always master the basics of human etiquette. She, she pushed kids in Fry's food and drug to get to her favorite lemon drops, or God forbid you're standing in front of her lucky charms. She was surly, with a smile, hard to figure out. In her mind, she was Sheba, and for a while in mine too. Maybe I should have been flattered by the attention. She told me more than once, Huber, I will die a princess one way or another, and you are destined to be my swain. Never did hook up with Nancy, now that I think of it. Barb moved in three weeks later. We then went crashing through the stages of love like a bull-gone rabbit, or maybe I should say rabbit. That first month... We made like cottontails, desperate to repopulate an empty hutch. Few months more, and we slowed, like a bronc does when it knows it needs to take a different tack to get you off its back. Of course, that's when they're most dangerous. Don't ever wear your heart out on your riding glove. I, I thought we were settling. We were each other's somebody nice to come home to. Two problems with that. First, work took me from Arizona all the way to Montana and back, some weeks in the thick of rodeo season. That's a long time to be penned off from each other. Second, Barb, of course, didn't really believe in regular working, or it was a hobby, something only other people took seriously. She thought they were insane for it. She grew up 20-odd miles west of here in Dateland, And she says she waitressed in high school at the Knee-High's Root Beer Drive-In, maybe even roller-skated to the cars. I don't remember. And maybe I wasn't born yet. I ain't really done the math. So she moved into my place, or didn't really move in, but didn't sleep anywhere else, neither. She'd tell me, I'm living with you for the night shift. (laughs) And she landed a nice job soon thereafter at Sandy's Funeral Parlor. All she had to do was greet and grieve. Ask mourners, how y'all doing? You know, with that slippery concern, bringing the end of the words down. 
Then she'd ask them to sign the guest registry, show them where to put the bouquets, restock the tissue boxes. Never had to touch a dead cadaver. And it's a business you know is going to be around when people keep dying and what all. After three months, Barb quit, claiming the air was toxic. Said formaldehyde was seeping through the walls and giving her headaches. She'd come home from work and wouldn't let me touch her. Our sex life shriveled bad for a while. Still, she'd steal flowers from the funeral parlor and drive us out to the cemetery to put them on my pop's grave. When I checked last week, there were still bunches of old stocks there next to that 4th of July flag. She used to kneel with me, pray hard. She'd even cry some, probably for her own brokenness. Then she worked at the Sunshine Herbs and More market out by the highway, and that turned her on. She liked to be around live people, she'd say. Plus, she got to have all the home remedies and aloe vera and lavender stuff she wanted. She liked to look at maps and was good at finding places, so anyone who was lost and stopped by looking for directions would practically tip her. She was so good and helpful. She was kind of the maitre d' of that first Yuma exit just off I-8, right in Fortuna Foothills. One thing I lament is I can't get a rope round the instant it started to end, when I knew I was going to be thrown. On a bull, it's usually two, maybe three inklings, and then you're in the air. I've broken bones every limb there is. Ulna, femur, collarbone, two tibulas, six ribs, and one spill. That's just bull riding. But Barb was always a bit larky. She tended the llamas at my mother's farm one weekend, and Mom comes home, and they're all wearing bonnets to keep the sun out of their eyes. She made them things. She lined my driveway with plastic adorations of Jesus and miniature-covered welcome wagons, which I thought was a nice, homey touch. But then she'd go sell the flat screen because she says the light emissions were sterilizing her. I knew we were getting serious after she thought about selling her house down at the corner. When she put her house on the market, I figured we were set. One day at Sunshine Herbs, Barbara decides to read one of the magazines she pulls off a rack. Might have been that new one Oprah started. There was some article about the need for America to change from being a car culture to a bicycle culture, which is just horseshit. I mean, we're not China. There are some distance around here. It's not practical to pedal. Let all them foreigners in the cities ride around tinkling their itty-bitty bike bells. Round here, the horizon is a long way down at the end of every road. I tried to explain the economics, but she wouldn't have my transportation theories, none of it. Called me pighead and started cracking eggs in the middle of this fight, and it's the middle of the damn night, and I'm like, what you doing wasting perfectly good food? She says, I don't care if it's the hour of the wolf. I'm scrambling some eggs and pretending they're your brains. Come to think of it, she was taken to wearing nightgowns in August when we had slept naked for the first year I knew her. She started talking on the phone two, three hours a day about gibberish. I'd sit there watching the Cardinals game 
And she'd actually go over and turn down the TV like I wasn't even there. Phone stuck to the side of her head, mouth moving, oblivious. Stop buying blueberry yogurts, which she knew I preferred. She'd buy strawberry. Why strawberry, I asked. Guests like it better than blueberry, she'd say, as if she'd just done the original research on it, as if we were having housefuls of guests. How many damn guests fit in my trailer anyhow? So how's this for a lament so far? Here's another lament. She'd tell me to get ready to go out, usually to kick Heifer's barbecue for dinner or see a movie, one she picked, and too loud, we're leaving in 10 minutes. Then she'd say, oh, I got to call my girlfriend, Elma. And then it, it would be another 30 minutes. Once I decided we're going to see one of them Mission Impossibles, and I left her talking on the phone. Oh, I gave her warnings. I pointed to my watch. She'd nod her head furiously. A couple minutes later, I'd whisper, we have to go or we'll miss the movie. Then she'd say into the receiver, yes, yes, hold on, hold on. Hubert's trying to say something. And she'd cover the phone and hiss, what? That's when I just turned and left. Ate a whole large buttered popcorn by myself. I don't lament that I came back. Had she bewitched me, you might ask? Maybe. But I'm loyal and steady that way. That's the way I was raised. That night after my solo movie, I find her on the porch sipping a Mai Tai she concocts from a mix. I told her, see, I won't give up. She sips and says, well, you'd be a fool to since it's your damn house. I got down on one knee, believe it or not, right next to her rocker. Barbara Johnson, I want to have children with you, I said. Whatever for, she harumphed, tapped me on the nose with her cocktail umbrella. I want to see something when I look in my rearview mirror, I explained. I want to see someone, someone who loves me, waving goodbye, like I did when the EMTs took Pop off to the hospital that first time, and I waved like crazy at his grisly head through the ambulance windows, watching him get smaller and smaller through the dust and gravel. When Pop was sick, in fact, Barbara went to the hospital most nights with me during the chemo. That's when I first thought, I love this woman. I want to have a family with her. I go up to County Memorial shoot three, four times a week. She always wanted to ride up with me. Sometimes I think she was in love with my old man more than me. He called her princess. Yeah, maybe that was it. Couldn't you get me a cup of ice, princess? And she'd scurry off. I couldn't get that kind of service by that point. Couldn't get a squeeze of toothpaste out her tube. And again... I wasn't my pop. I wasn't dying yet. After I asked her, I remember Barb stopped rocking. She looked out toward the chocolate mountains. I could tell she was trying not to tear up and stain something. I'm not sure I'm the mothering type, she said. Then she laughed in that dead way. <laughs> Makes me think of Mother Teresa. And boy, was she old and wrinkled. That was the final buck and turn.
I could tell I was about to fly through the air and into the dirt. Started to feel stupid, thinking I intended to make meaning with her. Birth a child or two so we could grow old and proud together. A couple of days later, I found her birth certificate folded in the socks drawer. I, I was wrong about her age. She hit 43 last July. What kind of fool was I? I saw the pinky lines, all right, but I guess I didn't count them real careful. Barb might tell a different tale if you crossed her at Kmart. She'd blame it on the time I went over to Albuquerque and my pal Shorty posts a picture of me and some cowgirls next to the scoreboard. My name's in lights. First place. It's a regular thing to have your picture made like that. Lots of guys do it. I thought she'd have a laugh, but before I finished my next ride, I got the text. Seeking greener pastures. Snooper is at your mom's chasing turkeys. I'm off to be a princess. I've been away less than two weeks. I get home, and her birth certificate is on the bed with three words scrawled big all over in the coral red lipstick she'll die wearing. Lies, 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 it says. So back to laments. It's too quiet around here for one. Now I sort my own mail. Barb did leave Snooper, and he looks lonelier than me half the time. The garden that started growing over, where you, you can't tell which are the carrots or the weeds. I'm 31, and I can still ride, so I'll take the sauce and pass it on. I know I'll run into Nancy one day, buying peat moss at the hardware store or something. I'm not a silk purse or nothing, but I swing. Tomorrow, Millie's coming to watch me barrel ride, and she's not bad herself. She's got this nice three-quarter horse named Patton, after the general, and he moves. If Millie practiced more, she could do a circuit and a ladies' club show and earn some extra money, not have to go collecting bills for the insurance companies, which is her real job. Barb left most other things as they were. I thank her for that. No china pantry smashing or sofa cushion gutting or bedroom curtain ripping. Not like some other fillies get mad and run wild. Biggest lament is I did find my ashtray broke. The one on the porch, but that could have been by accident. It was a standing old hotel lobby thing with faded green leather around its middle and a handle at the top. My pop had given it to me when I turned 27. Last present from him. So it's sentimental. He was a welder, and he removed the rearview mirror from my first car, a Plymouth Volari station wagon with four on the floor. It had been rusting apart in his side yard. Back in the day, it hauled stuff good, though I got sneered at since it wasn't a pickup. Pop was creative with steel and metals of all kinds. He welded that rearview mirror onto the top of the standing ashtray, so it stuck in the air like angel wings. And when you blew smoke rings across it, it looked like the clouds you'd see in heaven's sky. I I'm not usually sentimental. No real purpose to it, but Barb broke that ashtray, as I said. Knocked it over, maybe, I don't know. Couldn't tell with her. You get the idea yet? Meanwhile... No one's talking to me about where she's off to. 
or what she's doing. Haven't seen her, says old lady Haggerty. Got enough of my own business, says dumb Jim Dugan. So I do lament that I exploded on Denny, the barber, who has the little home by the bend in the drive to the left. After he starts telling me to get off his ranch, that pea-sized dirt plot, I grab my rifle, stick it in his face, and almost rip him a new nostril. I apologize, though, before moving down the street to the next house. People don't know each other that well, I guess. I'm not around too much to tell. Someone saw me with my gun and dialed 911. Wish I never bought into this neighborhood. So that's the best I can say it. Freeze the grief, the sheriff told me. Then let it roll away down the road till it gets tiny in your rear view mirror. <laughs> I appreciate advice. I don't need nothing fancy. My boundaries ain't as big as the playground in the trailer park. I aim to widen my inner gates and let out all the wild animals and watch them buck my pesky cares away. Truth be told, there's nothing that a hammer and nails won't fix. That and duct tape. What I mean is, people come and go. There are no amusement parks where rides go on forever. Except if you believe there's a six flags in heaven or whatnot. So, that's the extent. The next rodeo is coming up down in Las Cruces. I like riding the state fair. Got to drive by this little town called Truth or Consequences. I can feel like I'm turning into the face of this weird, peaceful wind. I'm done with the human dust storms. I hope neighbors can rest easy now thanks to this here lament. Know one thing for sure. I'm going to find Pop's acetylene torch. I'm going to fix that damn ashtray. One thing he taught me. Small flames burn hot. How well that rearview mirror back. Blow smoke right across its face. Watch for when it begins to look a little bit like heaven again. We're Not China, A Lament, is actually one of a series of first-person monologues that I've written over the years and then published as short stories. Um, and a lot of writers describe how they begin a poem or story with a visual image. I wait to hear a voice in my head, and it's not hard for me to hear the voice. Sometimes I close my eyes, and I just wait, and someone starts speaking, and then I kind of dictate whatever they say. I'm channeling this voice. The speakers are all ages, both sexes, from all over the country. Uh, I have a story called A Visit from Illyria, published by Weave magazine, which is a great publication you should check out. And it's in the voice of a female manager of a coal mine in Wyoming. Uh, I don't know where that came from. Of course, after the first, this gush of speech, this first draft, I have to go back and start revising and adding details to flesh out the imaginary realities. So, for We're Not China, I had to look up places that rodeos took place, for example. So that's how I found Las Cruces, which has a state fair, and discovered there's a town called Truth and Consequences on the way from Yuma. I chose Yuma because I have an uncle who lives there. But actually, Hubert isn't even the first rodeo rider I've channeled. There was a guy called Ford 
who was part of a play I wrote. I guess my stepfather, who was the welder and the actor, um, he also taught me to lasso as a kid growing up in Connecticut. We'd practice on these sawhorses in our suburban backyard. Eventually, he left my mother and moved to California and got very involved in rodeo. And he had a girlfriend who was a barrel rider. So I guess that personal history informs the piece. Sometimes this willed psychosis, which is kind of what I call it, this you know hearing voices on purpose, gets scary. And actually, a number of years ago, someone close to me was institutionalized for hearing voices. And it scared me so much I couldn't do anymore. I had to stop. But I'm very thankful for venues like Golden Walkman which offer a really safe place to let these voices speak out loud. All right, so that's September. That's our issue for September. I hope you really enjoyed it. Um, I know it was a longer story, but I think it was worth it. Um, I know I really uh, was drawn to it when I heard it. And um, I think a lot of what uh, John had said in his analysis really resonates this idea of letting voices come out and um, kind of feeling like they're taking over at times and you're not really writing it, you're more of dictating it. So um, I, I really like that. So anyway, uh, if you want to know more about John and other contributors that we have published or you want to become a contributor, please go to our website, goldwalkmag.com. Go on iTunes, subscribe, uh, get a new issue every month, and um, keep up to date with us. Uh, rate, review us. Uh, I think that's how we get noticed. I'm not sure exactly, um, but I, I, I don't think it will hurt to do that. So anyway, um, that's about it. Uh, submit, tell your friends about it, listen more, talk about it. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I hope you had a good time listening to it this month, and we will be back again to bring you um, some more. So see you next time.